Well, guys, uh, as we uh, gather together again, and you know, most of us uh, with our masks, which is awesome, and we respect anybody who's, you know, feeling that they want to stay with a mask for a while, that's, that's absolutely fine. Uh, and welcome to Melbourne. How you doing down there? We love you guys, especially your pastors. Oh, they're funny people, amen. How do you fall off a chair? What is, what's going on there? You know, like Dan and Ebony, we love you. You're awesome people in Jesus' name. And, uh, and the whole frecker, you know, the, the, the family here, the, see dad on the, on the keys. Give dad a hand, would you? Yeah, fantastic. And uh, it, is, it is amazing. You know, uh, this last year has been fascinating, obviously, and the last two years has been pretty interesting. Uh, two years ago, I wrote a book called Do It Now because as COVID hit, I, I came across a lot of people who were saying, once this is over, I mean, because in two weeks we'll flatten the curve, right? And uh, it took two years. But, but, but people were treading water saying, once this is over, then I will. And I thought, no, you can't live life like that, people. You got to get into it. Don't let anything stop your forward momentum. Uh, you, need, you need to get out of any inertia, anything that is getting you stuck and get unstuck so that you're moving forward. Uh, all of us desire momentum. You know, we tap our steering wheel at lights, and especially if the guy in front doesn't move quickly enough. Yeah, right? I'm, I, I mean, I'm not too bad generally on the, on the road, but, but uh, I do get annoyed with some people. I, I think road rage might be my sin. And, uh, you know, when you're sitting there, and, and there's a honk language. You know the honk language? Like, honk, honk, Carlton one. Honk, 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 you know. The grandparents arriving, honk, honk, we're here, you know, uh, honk, there's my friend on the road. But then there's the angry honk, the one behind you, honk, and you feel it, right? It comes through the back seat, and it triggers you, a glitch is in the system. And so I look in the mirror and I see this guy, honk, 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 you know, I'm not going to move. You want to be like that? No, I get out of my car. Yeah, I've lost the anointing. I'm going around, I'm going around the trunk. Bop, I pop that thing. I got a crowbar. I'm smashing headlights in my mind. <laughs> They're like, oh, shoot, it's a church member. Amen. <laughs> I forgot I was going into church. Yeah, right. <clears throat> but... You know, uh, to, just, to just understand that we always want to be moving forward is important. It's part of our whole vibe. Uh, just to, we don't like to feel we're not progressing or growing or enlarging or expanding. And so I thought, do it now. I wrote that book, Do It Now. You could put it up there. And it's a whole uh, lot of things about that maxim, which I have in my head. Uh, do it now, decision-making. It's hard, but, you know, avoiding it is even worse. And, and the Bible says if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done because they're never going to turn up. Uh, 
you know, she's never, you're never going to have enough money to buy the house she wants before you ask her to marry you. So just go ahead and ask her to marry you. Amen. Uh, you're waiting to have a go at buying a house until real estate comes down. It doesn't happen. You just got to go and do it. Oh, but that's so much. You just go take a step. When you take a step, you find out how much God is alive. You'll find out you can do something that you never thought you could do. You can buy a house in an unbelievable priced market. And, the, and, and it is amazing how God moves when you move. Do it now. I always pay my bills when I get them. I pay my tithes the moment I get the money. I just do it straight away. I don't wander around. And, I mean, uh, I do assignments when I get them. I reply to an, an email when I get it. I reply to phone call. I just do it now. It keeps me moving. If you say, can we pray for my mother? I'll say, yeah, let's do it now. And uh, because if I say, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and you're expecting me to do it later, I'll forget. And, and when you ask me next time, I'll have to lie. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll pay for you. Or else I just do it now. So do it now. Wasn't it worth coming to church just for that point? That'll change your life. You do that. You won't be stressing. You could remove half the cortisol out of your system just by doing it now. You're not scratching around on Monday night because you got an assignment due on Tuesday morning. You'd already done it one month ago. Cruising through life. Amen. Okay, so that was the first book, just to get out of the inertia of COVID. And then the next one, uh, Disciple, I wrote because I found so many people's Christianity fell to bits once the rhythm of church life stopped. You know, they're like sitting at home in their PJs, eating popcorn, watching the pastor preaching, doing their emails on the side. You know, that's like, and then, oh, who, why bother at all? Uh, so people lost a lot of their, their Christianity because I think it might have been churchianity. And I think being a disciple, a ruthless disciple of Jesus, making a decision, I'm not turning back, is very, very important for us. You can get both these books. Oh, that, just by the way, I do a bit of painting, and I submitted this, that one to the Archibald Prize. It's of David Bissot. Yeah, to Archibald Prize. I didn't win. <laughs> In fact, they didn't even hang it. So I said, I'll show you. I'll put it on my book. And uh, <laughs> what would those judges know? Anyway, the, <laughs> so I, I put it on, uh, on the book because I wanted, and David Bissot is one of the finest disciples in Australia of Jesus. He started OI, which is a great organization. The, um, the, the, the fact is, I just saw young people get pretty disenchanted when some scandals happen. Last year, pretty significant, high-profile preachers and leaders. And when you've been in the kingdom long enough, you know that this happens infrequently, but frequently enough to, be, to raise cynicism in some who have not got an, a close relationship with the Lord. But, you know, honestly, I don't care if there's no one else on earth following Jesus. I have decided. I know him and uh, I've met him. And before I'm a pastor, before I'm a preacher, before I'm anything, I'm a disciple. So I'm a preacher because I'm a disciple. I'm a pastor because, well, no longer. <laughs> uh, because, because I, well, I am. I, I, I still care about people, mostly. Uh, <clears throat> so guys, I wanted to share with you this morning uh, this message, and I've changed the message. 
The other message is incredible. But this one's better. And, uh, and, and, and this, the other one, you know, I'm, I will get to, I was going to try and jam them together, but it would have been a bit, a bit much because this one has, is, this, is, this is a fun message. Uh, but it's, it's only for intelligent people too. So I'm glad I'm here. That's why I felt I could preach it. <clears throat> Psalm 126. This is called The Great Return. And it's a message on my heart about what is for right now in our churches around the world. Because I get the feeling in this meeting right here that there's some of you who are on the journey to return. And, and God is a recoverer. He is the God of recovery. He's the God of restitution. He's the God of revival. He's the God of renewal. He's the God who will restore to you the years that COVID has eaten. The prophet Joel said, I will restore to you the years the worm has eaten. And there are worms in people's lives eating around in the back of their brain, their confidence, eating around in their emotions, their emotional stability. They're finding themselves up and down. And there's worms eating into relationships because of polarity, because some people believe that this is the mark of the beast and Bill Gates has put a 5G tower inside of you with the AstraZeneca jab. And, uh, and, and then there's other people over this end who, who think that's a lot of nonsense and we, we need to get as many jabs as we possibly can. And there's the no jab crowd, there's the jab crowd, there's the in-between jab crowd. It's like, it's like in the splitting up families and the worm. The worm is getting in there, eating them all up. Listen, people, I got opinions too. I'm not going to share them here, though. Why do I want to be at odds with you? Unity's far. Unity trumps opinion, people. I just laid them down. I want to, I want to be connected with you. And Jesus is my connection. He's way higher than my opinions. So, after offending at least 10 people, I'm going to continue. Amen. We can get there. I, I probably can get to the end of it without offending absolutely everybody in the church, but there'll be one or two who won't be by the end of it. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 126 is about returning, about recovery. So I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then we'll get back into it verse by verse. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things or amazing things for them. The Lord has done amazing things for us and we're glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Okay. So, this is talking about, this is a psalm of ascents. It's one of the psalms the Hebrew people, the Jewish people sang when they returned from Babylon. Now, we're going to go to C3 Bible College right, right now for a little, a little moment. Okay, so way back, Jeremiah the prophet. Remember him? Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. <laughs> Some of us are old enough to know what I'm talking about. The rest of you just, don't worry. 
So, so Jeremiah says, hey, you guys, Zedekiah, you naughty, naughty king, because you're worshipping false gods, you're just a young dude, you won't listen to older people guiding you. And God is just worn out with all you guys doing the wrong thing all the time, ignoring Him. And so finally, look, instead of just bringing judgment on the nation, we're going to actually uproot you and send you off to another land. And, uh, and nobody liked that message. That was a pretty negative message. So they said, stone him, kill him. They tried, but he managed to survive. But in his prophecies, he said, I'm going to send you down there for 70 years. I'm going to send you there for 70 years. Okay, so that all happened. A guy called Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes in, boom, wrecks Jerusalem, destroys the temple, deports all the best of the Jewish people there, leaves the poor and the uneducated ones there and takes all the best, like Daniel when he's 10 years old. Like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the three guys in the furnace, remember them? Uh, all these guys. So these little kids are taken off. They lose their identity, lose their religion, lose their names. Daniel is now Belteshazzar. That's his Babylonian name. See, I told you we're going to college. But stick with me because this gets a little more complicated. Okay, so we're finally down in Babylon and we're there for 69 years. Daniel has survived four different kings, one taking over the other, conquering Persia, conquering, and finally Darius comes. And then a guy called Artaxerxes or Ahasuerus. He's known by two names. It's getting a bit complicated right now. I'll just stick with the one name. Okay, so now... He's, Daniel is down there and he's reading, doing a Bible study. He comes across Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, you're there for 70 years. He looks at his watch. 69 years are up. People. It was actually a sundial he had on his wrist. So he, <laughs> an apple sundial. And uh, he is, he says, wow, it's time for the prophecy to come to pass. So what's he do? Praise do not think the prophecies are automatically going to come to pass without you doing something to make them happen. We've got to pray for the will of God to be done. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy will be done. If it's His will and He's sovereign, then why do we have to pray? Because we rule on earth. Under God, we rule on earth. We have dominion here. And what we declare, because 90%, I think about 90% of God's will doesn't happen. People say, why has God let that happen? It's not Him who's letting it. It's us. We are ones who are, as the church, are meant to dominate in, in planet Earth. You and I are called to grow, be strong, and occupy. And so anyway, moving away from that, he prays, and it gets him in a lot of trouble. Gets him in a lion's den. Praying will get you into trouble. But keep praying. It'll get you out. Whatever got you in will get you out. And so he gets out and it starts to happen. Amazingly, a guy called Cyrus. Okay, Cyrus is a king. He's the final king who's overtaken all these other kings. And now he's the king of Persia and he's a pagan idol-worshipping king. I mean, doesn't even know God or Yahweh or anybody. And so he starts looking at and possibly Daniel showed him this prophecy in Isaiah that says, Behold, Cyrus, my anointed, who does this, who does this, who does this, conquers this nation, conquers that nation. No one can stand before him. He's got chariots of vine. He's all this sort of thing. And he goes, wow, he named me. This is 150 years before. 
So Isaiah is saying there's going to be this king called Cyrus up there. And he's very specific. And he says he's going to do this, he's going to do that, he's going to do this. And he's going to send my people back to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. Cyrus is a very noble, humble king, even though he's all these other things. He thinks, wow, God has made me the ruler of the whole world, basically. I, he had the biggest empire in the world, Persia. And he is he's saying, I should give him thanks. He says, and this is what I do. I rebuild his temple. So he said, what do I do? I, I send all the Jews back. Okay, let's go. So he does it. He sends all the Jewish people back out of, that have been deported down there for 70 years, sends them back to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. God kept his word, and God will restore. What has been lost in Babylon is going to come back. He will recover the years that the canker worm has eaten. And so these guys are so glad when they turn around from captivity and get their names back, they get their fortunes back, Cyrus funds the entire exercise. Everything they have lost over 70 years, they get back as they start returning. And that is what is going to happen to you. Whatever you've lost over COVID, whatever you've lost in the last couple of years, relationships, finances, ground, forward momentum, forward progress, whatever has been lost, God is going to cause it to return. And many of us have lost our way from the house of God. But when you return, that blessing returns. When you look through, when you look through the Bible, you'll see people like the prodigal son. He lost his way. But when he returned, everything he lost was recovered to him straight away. He got the ring on his finger, which is like a centurion black Amex card. Put it in the wax anywhere and you can buy the hotel. It's like, and he didn't get it. The, the father didn't say, oh, we'll just wait and see how he pans out. Immediately, the ridiculous generosity, scandalous generosity of God. It is unbelievable. We, it's, it's hard to swallow to believe that God in heaven would, would send his son to die for you. My God, this, this, this is just crazy. He gives his son the VIP, VIP clothing. Put the best robe on him. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. He recovered that boy to full status immediately. All through the Bible, you'll see Job, who suffered for nine months the worst things, lost everything, business, family, everything except his wife. And uh, she was the only one he was a bit upset about. And uh, <laughs> he was kind of, how come, how come, Lord? <laughs> so, so here he goes through nine months of losing everything. And at the end, he gets it all back. Times two. He went through the trial to get a double blessing. God needed to just fix up a little fear he had in his system. And by the time he got back, the great return happened in his life. God is a restorer. One of the greatest stories is Naomi. We're back at C3 College. Okay. So Naomi is married to Elimelech which in the Hebrew means idiot. <laughs> That's my translation. She married an idiot. I don't know why, but girls don't marry an idiot. 
Your spouse is in the house. Amen. So, but even there, there are some idiots, you know, so be careful. Listen to the pastor. I just offended the other 50%. Yeah, we're, we're on a roll here today. Okay, so, so they live in a place called Bethlehem, Judah, which means house of bread and praise. That's true, that translation. House of bread and praise, Bethlehem, Judah. House of God. But things got a little tough in the house of God. You know, like, like they always do. Life in the ark with Sister Elephant and Brother Warthog and, uh, and, and Brother Rhinoceros and uh, Sister Monkey. You know, it's all... I've managed to offend everybody now. We're, you know, it's a 100% batting rate. So, so now we're living in the ark. It's, it can get tricky sometimes, right? A bit tricky, but it beats being on the outside. So things got a little tough at Bethlehem Judah. Bit of a drought for the brother. And he said, let's go down to the land of Moab. Moab is the land of death. Descendants from the incest of Lot and his daughter. It's a bit creepy. And so they're off down to the land of Moab. Off they go with their two sons, Marlon and Chilion. Their names mean sickness and pining. Why you'd name your children that, I got no idea. Yeah, this one looks a little sick. Call him sickness. Amen. Oh, he's, he's a bit depressed. Call him pining. And, uh, and so these two kids, uh, how bad is that? They go down there and they, they marry Moabite women, uh, which you're not meant to do. But anyway, they did it. Dad's leading them in the, the wrong direction. Dads, 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 dads. Look. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, like, I know, I know your, your wife's a really good leader. And, and she makes a lot of good decisions. But, but honestly, you know, we are called as the fathers in our houses. And I'm talking scripture now. I'm not talking modern cultural norms. I'm talking scripture. We are the priests of the house. We take the lamb and put it over the doorposts of the house so the protection from the enemy is there. And we're involved. We don't, we don't say to the wife, wow, do you want to go to church this weekend? We say, we're going to church. And uh, when we're around the breakfast table, you know, just maybe a little scripture, one scripture would be good to say, hey, guys, we're just going to pray for the day. For some reason, we, guys, we, we've got an ego issue and we, we don't like lifting up hands. That's why Paul says, I would that men everywhere lift up holy hands. He doesn't have to say, tell the woman, but, but the man, you know, is just they're doing, they're kind of low Pentecostal. And... Uh, Yellow. But you see, men, if we could get in our homes and lift our hands up over our houses, over our teenagers, over our, our kids, and we're going to lead them to the house of God. You don't have to don't, don't go in there like, I'm the authority, and bash the Bible around it. You know, just gentlemen. And, uh, and, and leading by example and all that. And, and so, anyway, she's... He, he leads them out of the house, not into the house. So they're down there, and you know, the next thing, Elimelech drops dead, just dies. So that's a bit unfortunate, uh, or, or not. And, uh, and now the two boys, what happened? They both 
dropped dead. And they've got these two Moabite girls who are now the daughters-in-law of Naomi. And she says, I've had enough of this dying business. I'm going back to the house of God. I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. So she says, I'm going. Ruth says, can I come? She says, no, stay here. She says, no, I'm coming. So she came. Ruth came. As soon as they get back in Bethlehem, Judah, restoration starts happening. As soon as they get back, revival starts happening. Renewal starts happening. Not death, new life. The richest guy in town sees Boaz, is his name. We're deep in C3 College territory right now. And he looks down there and he says, Woo, I like that girl. And they say, Oh, she's a mobile. He says, Oh, yeah, I like her, man. And I'm going to marry her. And a few, few interesting Jewish things take place and they're kind of cool, uh, but it ends up they get married and they have a son whose name is, whose name, he has a son whose name is, uh, where did Salmon get in there? Amen. Anyway, we, we, won't, we won't bother you with C3 college stuff right now. But, but Ruth and Boaz ultimately give birth to King David. They get involved in bringing Jesus Christ into the world. That's how much of a recovery came into Naomi's life through coming back from the house of God. There, are, I gotta, I gotta tell you, God is a God who will restore to your world whatever has been stolen. I declare on you restoration. I declare on you favor. I declare on you blessing. I declare on you revival and renewal and restoration at every level in Jesus' name, especially of family. I can feel right here while I'm standing, there are some mothers grieving over the loss of children in their world, like have been estranged from them. And I believe that you will find God does a miracle in their hearts and soul, and you're going to be restored. The relationship will be repaired. The relationship will be renewed in Jesus' name. Okay. This could be a long message because we just got through half of the first verse and I can see the musicians already moving. Amen. Okay, here we go. When the Lord brought back the captivity, I'm going to go a little faster now. So really lean in quick. Okay, okay. We were like them who dream. When you're in captivity, you don't dream. When you're oppressed, you don't dream. You just survive. You don't thrive. You just, just hang in there. If I can get through this. But when you're free from that, you start to dream again. And as soon as they got set free from their captivity and started that four-month journey across the wilderness to get to Jerusalem, they started singing these songs and said, we started dreaming again. We started dreaming about a future. We started dreaming those dreams about owning the house, about having a family, about starting a business, about having a building for our church in Jesus' name. We started to see the possibilities that God could do anything once we started dreaming. Never underestimate the power of a dream. A dream isn't just a vain imagination in your head. It is a creative force. What you are continually meditating on, you are building in the spiritual. As you speak it and dream it, it is manifesting in the spiritual world. Eventually, it will fall into your natural world. Your world will be formed by what you imagine in your mind. And what you are seeing, it is directing the footsteps of your life. Verse 2, then our mouth was filled with laughter. Oppressed people don't laugh. They reach for pills. 
you'd be better to reach for a laugh. Proverbs 17, 22, laughter is medicine. Recently, scientists discovered this was true. Why don't we believe the word before the scientists confirm it? It's been true for 3,000 years. You need to go to a church where the people laugh. And don't be bothered by the critics who say, oh, that's a lightweight, you know, it's only thin, deep, you know. Some Christians need to shallow up a little and start laughing. And if I don't feel like laughing, I, I help it along. I go, ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 And I find that primes it. <laughs> Don't do this on your own. You look like a crazy person. <laughs> but if you're with some people, like laughing in the house of God, you're meant to. God laughs. God laughs. It's a divine characteristic. You don't see giraffes laughing. You don't see zebras all standing around telling a blonde joke or something, you know? Oh, 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 they don't do that. The fact is, and we don't tell those sort of jokes anymore anyway, do we? You know, PC's taking all the fun out of life. You know, <laughs> so the, the deal is, I'm offending people outside the church now, you know, people that aren't even here. God bless you in Melbourne. Amen. We love you. Listen, the fact is, the fact is, laughter is better for you than pills. I'm not saying pills are not good. Take them if, you're, you know, if you need them. Yeah, and if you've been prescribed medication, go ahead. But let me tell you, laughter will release healing chemicals through your body. Literally, it is going to be better for you to laugh, to actually be joyful and go to a place. And church should have a lot of laughter in it. I believe part of C3, part of our culture, we have 10 quality culture things. One of them is laughter. Fun, having fun in the house of God. And our tongue was singing. Never underestimate the power of your song. Don't let the devil steal your song. If you were singing last year, but you're not singing this year, get your song back. Start singing in the, in the shower. I know you can't sing in tune, but the Bible doesn't say sing in tune. It just says make a joyful noise. Make a noise, you know. Praise the Lord, yeah, whatever. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things, crazy great things, crazy amazing things, because Cyrus funded the temple and sent them back to build it, even though he had nothing to do with Yahweh, nothing at all. The Lord has done great things. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. He was talking about the rivers in the desert, empty riverbeds, empty riverbeds all winter. But when the snows began to melt in the mountains, Flash flooding would come. I know we don't want to talk about floods right now, but the fact is, this was not floods of water they were talking about. They were talking about bring back our captivity of people. Bring back people like rivers of people. And it will not just be, it will not just be incremental slow. I am believing that we are going to see rivers of people streaming into the house of God in all of our churches all around the world, that there'll be rivers and rivers of people. Isaiah says that people will stream to the house of God to hear the word of the Lord. And if we're preaching the word of God, 
like this, preaching not just, not just quotes out of C.S. Lewis and a few Reader's Digest stories, but we are actually bringing the life of the Word of God, you will find that that juice will bring healing, restoration, new life, and people will stream to the house of the Lord to hear the Word of God. Number five, verse five, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again. So finally, we've gotten to your series. Amen. Over COVID, hadn't been easy to keep tithing, but here you are. You are there saying, God, I honor you. I'm going to stay with the program. And you've built, born seed, and you're sometimes sowing seed, weeping. <laughs> this is hard. You will doubtless come again with rejoicing. You cannot deny the Word of God. You cannot deny what His Word says, and it is doubtless. No doubt about it. His principles are as sure as the sun's going to come up again tomorrow. As sure as the moon is going to rise in the sky. As sure as the tides will come in and out. Sowing and reaping, planting and growing is going to take place as long as the earth is here. And as long as God is on His throne, your spiritual principles of sowing and reaping are going to take place. It'll always take a little longer than you want but you're going to find it will come through without a doubt. You are doubtless going to come again. Everything that's been lost will be restored. And you know, as I'm standing here and I'm just finishing now, uh, thank you, Melbourne, for being with us. Such a pleasure. Uh, you might be breaking off now. I've finished the message. I'm just going to invite people to actually pray a prayer to, to receive Jesus into their life. And so down in Melbourne, if you're there and you've, haven't been to church for a while, today's a great day to be in the house of God and to actually make a decision to say, yeah, I wouldn't mind making that choice again and getting my life back. If you've been away from the house, like Naomi, say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get my way back into following Jesus. But maybe you've never done that, never reached out to God. Well, I'd like you to pray a prayer today. You know, a few, um, a few weeks ago, I was in our beach, local beach, Mona Vale, and along the, the front area of that beach is a channel that you can't always see, and I didn't see it today, but it's a rip that goes, it just goes out to sea. And uh, I jumped in there, and all of a sudden, it was like I was on a steam train. Woof, I'm out. And the water was cold, and uh, I thought, okay, I'll swim out of the rip. I know how to get out of a rip. I've been in the ocean all my life. And I swam back in. As I swam back in, I hit the rip. Poof, I go out again. I thought, whoa, I could be in a little trouble here. And I could see the surf lifesavers on the beach. And I thought, should I stick my hand up? My ego got the better in. No, I'm not sticking my hand up. <laughs> I just swam all the harder. I finally did manage to get out. But I thought, man, that ego's strong. How desperate do I need to get before I am going to say, hey, guys, I need some help out here. And today, you know, in a couple of moments, I'm going to ask you to maybe raise your hand to say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have the salvation of God come into my life. I'd like to say, Jesus, I'm in a current that's a little too strong for me. I'm, I'm not powerful enough on my own to get over this. And if you've maybe been to church for a while, but you're not sure if you're going to heaven, 
I'd like you also to raise your hand when I ask. So can I ask everybody to close your eyes? Right around this congregation, if you have never asked Jesus to come into your life, or if you've been away from God and it's time to come back, or if you're just not sure you're going to heaven, wherever you are in this building, would you put your hand up for me? Just say, that's me. I want Jesus in my life today. I want to be born again in, in, in Melbourne. If you're there, thank you. I see your hand. Who else is there? Just raise your hand. Leave it up, could you? Thank you, Lord, for your grace touching these lives in Jesus' name today as they return, recover, and make a decision to have Christ in their life. Right here, right now. I'm going to wait just another couple of minutes for anybody else to raise their hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want Jesus. Just put it high in the air for me and say, that's me. I want Christ in my life today. I want to be born again. I want to live for Jesus. Amen. I'd like us all to pray this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I receive Jesus. Thank you for my salvation. Forgive me. Receive me. I'm yours. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that your hand would rest on every believer here today. And Father, as we get ready for tonight, I'm praying that there'll be so many people in the house who have never met Jesus, people who don't know you, who have a need in their life. And I know that here tonight, you'll set people free from depression. You'll set people free from things that have messed them up in their lives. And you're going to straighten what is crooked and repair what is broken and heal what is ill. In Jesus' name, thank you for blessing this great church. Thank you for Pastor John, Pastor Danielle, two of the finest people in all the world. I thank God for them every day. Thank God for the church that have raised up here and the thousands of people they influence all the time around the world. Heavenly Father, we thank God for giving us such great leaders, great men and women of God, and the team here, Father. I thank you for this, this team that is so incredible, building a church that will endure for eternity. Let your blessing fall in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have a great day. Thank you.